0: Thank you for joining us for another episode of That Solo Life, the podcast for PR pros and marketers who work for themselves. People like me, Michelle Kane with Voice Matters, and my wonderful co host, Karen Swibb of Solo PR Pro. Hi, Karen. How are you today? Hi, Michelle.
1: I am good. I'm good. I'm good. How are you?
0: Yeah, good. Can't complain. Can't complain. (laughs) Life keeps. Well, yeah.
1: Yeah. Trust, there's a whole
0: mental list, but yeah. no, you get you guys have your own stuff, you don't want to hear ours. No, one. no, no, no. <laughs> and in that vein, ah, uh, you know, whenever this airs in a couple of weeks, there's going to be more stuff going on in the world, there's always stuff going on in the world. I mean, it seems like literally every day there's a mass shooting, there's still strife. And so we want to talk about some positivity in ways even we as pros, PR pros can make a difference. And it is something that I know Karen is heavily involved in. And it's it comes out of PRSA and it's called Voices for Everyone. So Karen, talk a little bit about what the initiative is and, and what we can be doing.
1: I love this, and it's funny. It's, you know, obviously civility, you know, civil engagement, respect with our audiences. These are all things that are very inherent in being a public relations professional. But Voices for Everyone was a way to bring together resources for public relations professionals around the areas of DEI, ethical communications, and communicating with civility. Mm -hmm. And it's because they understood a couple of years ago that there was a greater need to do something that was accessible to not just PRSA members, but accessible to everyone. So Voices for Everyone has its own website. It's not, you know, it is linked somewhere on the PRSA website, but it's accessible. So if you're not a PRSA member, don't worry, the resources are available to you. And there's playbooks, they have webinars. There's lots of there's lots of blog posts written by experts on various topics. And so they cover a few different areas. so and and the website is voices with the number for everyone. So they cover disinformation, mm, diversity and inclusion, good. civility. Civic engagement. Those are the four core areas, which, you know, that hits all the points. And who knew when this started that we would so greatly need to keep those skill sets sharp. And so, you know, as Michelle said, this has just been a time of toxic communication. There's so much negativity. And we as professionals really have to help our clients navigate through this time. And it's not just making sure that our clients are communicating with respect, but it's really caring for their audiences and taking deeper dives into understanding how our communications are viewed. We've seen so many missteps. You know, the Eminem thing is oh. when I when I first like <laughs> started to read about this, I was like, "Are you kidding me? Right now, are we right. really having national debates over candy?"
0: Right, right. Although there's a school of thought that it's lead up to a Super Bowl ad, which still lame.
1: It's yeah. I don't know. People were really attaching a lot of significance to the candy <laughs> spokespeople. <Yeah. laughs> Sorry, I I was like really? Yeah. <laughs> and, and even though it's like I get I, it. Yeah, I get it. They were trying to <sighs> use the candies to be more inclusive, right. that's not a bad thing for a company to want to showcase inclusivity across yeah. their brand. But, you know, again, it's just one more, it, it's a, you know, big national example of how we need to, on a micro basis, understand how certain things can be perceived differently by different groups of people. And Correct you have to think beyond like so i think that sometimes when we think about diversity we we really land on on ethnicity and gender yeah and it goes so much further beyond that you know i perfect example i saw someone who is deaf and a deaf advocate talk about a local news station that did a broadcast about some children hearing children Who were raising money for a, I think it was a new playground for deaf children or um, children with disabilities. And it came across as super offensive to the community of disabled people because of the way that it portrayed these kids as like the saviors of people who, it it was just... what was supposed to be inspirational because of the language, not the story. They, everybody agrees that these kids are amazing for doing this, but that this also should not be some heroic effort by kids, that it's something that needs attention to, and there's funds for that and that the entire community should be pressing that these funds be spent in the right way. So Another example, and I'll look for the LinkedIn post and we can put this in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Another example of whatever PR person placed that story equipping the broadcast community and reporters with the right language to talk about it. And this is something yes. of our previous guests talked about. We had yes. a major on our show, yeah, um, and she talked about how she has a toolkit or a playbook so that when she's pitching stories, she gives them languaging as well. And I thought, you know, that's a smart idea and something that we can all adopt to make sure that something that's supposed to be good. And we have a lot of PR pros that work in those feel good spaces. We have to make sure that we're equipping the media with the right language to talk about what we're giving them. Yeah. So, you know, that's an, you know, again, I think Voices for Everyone is a great, you know, resource because it's free, it's available to everyone, you know, go on the site, spend time there, bookmark it so that you have it available and learn to talk about these tough topics.
0: Yeah. And I I think it's great that PRSA has provided such a, you know, platform and a toolkit for all of us because we do know it's important and it's you know equally important that we can all speak from the same page of we as a profession you know we talk about our responsibility to lead on these issues and this gives us a really great wealth of information to to do that because, you know, as we've discussed, yeah, we are a profession. We're a legit profession. And we are we are the subject matter experts on how to communicate with people. So this is just a tremendous, you know, treasure chest of information for us to have to help us do our jobs well and just to help us serve our society well. And I know that sounds a little lofty, but, you know, every little bit contributes to the, you know, to the tenor out there. Yeah. And
1: I, I don't, you know, it's lofty, but... I think that's a thing that I love about our profession that doesn't get enough public attention is that being a PR professional is so much more than being a great storyteller or a great media relations person. We yeah. do have this, this really aspirational role Yeah. and we... Can help people to talk to one another to connect. I mean, yeah. essentially, that's at the core of all that we do. But we're thinking more deeply and more intelligently about communications than than other professionals have to. You know, some people are right. great communicators, and they may have gotten great at it. You know, through study, through experience. Some, you know, were born great communicators and simply polished their skill set. But what we do is so much more rich and robust, and yeah. we have like this unique position of caring for not only the clients and companies that we work for or represent, but also for their audiences, and and that requires such a balancing act of you know, organizational goals and and how things land in the other space and making sure that you are respectful and factual with your audiences and that you're treating them with integrity. And even though they're not your direct clients, in a sense, they are because they're your audiences. And, and it's part of our, you know, our charter. When we sign up to become a PR professional, this is what we agree to do.
0: Yeah.
1: And so I think, you know, one of the most beautiful things that that I've seen, especially over the past, you know, three to five years are PR professionals who get that, you know, and Mm -hmm. so many of our solo PR pros are involved in nonprofit work, volunteer work, civil advocacy. And it's always beautiful to see us using our gifts to move the world forward. And imagine if more of us got activated, if we could activate everyone to do that and to teach people how to have civil discourse, Yeah, Um, you know, Social media is what it is. Um, mm-hmm. We'll have to talk about that another day. But you know, <laughs> I've learned that uh, not placing great importance on it has been a huge change for me. You know, I just don't care about it. Surprisingly, as a PR professional, I just don't care about it. I usually want to use it, whatever. And with clients, we have sort of a different take. You do what you do. You do it well. You do it right. Yeah. But you just replace a whole lot of importance on it. I think that we, we press that lever so hard, like must have, must do, must must get this. And we forget that where the real magic happens are in those one-to-one conversations, however those happen. Um, Yeah. It's
0: it's so true.
1: Conversation, social media. I'm sorry to break this to you. is not a conversation. It really is. It's not. No, it's not.
0: It's not. It's, it's funny and not, I don't want to say I've become jaded to it, but it it does crack me up how, and I almost, you know, so many times I think back, wow, I almost wish, you know, this was around when I was in college, it would make a great sociology paper because you can see someone post something with intent to X. Little trolls come in and comment why. And it's so predictable. It's almost as though you want to ask these people, is this your hobby? I think this is your hobby. You just like to come in and leave your predictable little comment. Oh, and here now it's going to devolve in this way. And it's it's just a pattern that repeats. And I'm not saying this, of course, is across the board, but yeah, to me, any more social media, yeah, it's still a great place to, on a personal level, to keep in touch with friends near and far. and it should definitely be part of your toolkit to reach an audience, but it shouldn't be the only thing. It is not the only thing because guess what? There's a ton of people on all of all ages who aren't on it. (gasps) What? Yes, it's true.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, total tangent, but I was talking with a friend last night and she's a third year medical student And she was saying that her little sister uses Snapchat with her friends to... That's how they text each other. Yeah. Okay. I don't get it. She goes, why don't they just text each other? You have texting. She goes, am I an old lady? And that made me laugh at how each generation adopts something different. Like Snapchat is something... You know, I've been getting notices of so-and-so friend at you. I have not used Snapchat and I don't even have the app on my phone. How about that? Um, yeah, I never um, really, really got into that. It's so over for me, but it's not over for a younger generation. And there are yeah. things that every generation sort of adapts to and how they use it. So I agree it is. And I love that you said it should be part of your toolkit. It's a tool, but oh, yeah. I think we have to, you know, take some of the importance out of it. And the whole Twitter falling apart did that for me because I it made yeah. me step back and go, who cares? Like yeah. I don't really care anymore. Um, yeah, it's it's, it's <laughs> funny. No, no, but you're right. In
0: the last couple of weeks, you know, I, I pop in there, you know, a couple of times a day, just pretty much to see breaking news because news still breaks first there, and uh, I'm like, huh, yeah, this is what it is. Okay, yeah, you know, the terrible, terrible things. Okay, so some, you know, some yeah. uh, not so great people are back on it, but you know, block them. Don't don't give them oxygen, just like you didn't before in real life. But anyway, all that. Yeah, to come back
1: to.
0: <laughs> yeah so, we have, we have such a great opportunity in what we do. To, yeah. you know, really be able to help guide people of how powerful their words can be and their thoughts or their, you know, even initiatives that maybe clients want to start.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think you know, we've talked a lot about disinformation, but even yeah. just, uh, you know, again, making sure that you are equipping not only your clients with messages that are, you know, factual, have integrity, are respectful to, you know, your audiences, are inclusive, yeah. but making sure that that carries through to the media. Yeah, and you know that's a big topic. You know, for example, we we work with a disability care provider, and so they work with so many groups that have disabilities, from you know physical disabilities to neurodivergent people. It just it's a wide range, and people first language is really really important. You don't want to marginalize people by calling them, you know, um, autistic. We don't really ever say that. It's people. That have autism, right? That I, I get a little annoyed when people say the homeless, like like they're people, is some other race of people, like yeah, they're people, yeah, they're people. And so, but if you do not supply language to talk about those things to reporters, then your key messages could really get lost or could happen with what happened with this great inspirational story and receive backlash from the very community that you really want to support. Yeah. So, you know, that's another important step that we have to really be careful and not think that you can't tell the media, you can't give them like, like here's our brand language guide and it doesn't have to be, you know, you want to obviously keep it short, Reporters will appreciate that.
0: Right, right. And we're not telling the reporters what to report, of course, but we're helping them with our, yeah, 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 giving them the proper language. And I think, you know, a lot of the time, I'm sure people, you know, how many of us do say the homeless? And we don't even give it a second thought of, you know, that the starkness of that label doesn't align with most of our intentions. It's like, of course, I don't mean it that way.
1: Oh, my goodness. No one does. Right. I I Anyone means it well. There are some people that we eh, some
0: people trust. There are other
1: people. We've just heard it. Like even yeah. me, I've heard it yeah. for so many years, and for so many years, I just heard it, and you know, it just. I, I didn't think about it in this way. Right. I, you know, sad right. that I cared about people who were unsheltered, but it just didn't hit me how offensive that was. Right. And but once once you know, you know, and, right. When
0: you know, when you know better, you can do better. And yes. if you don't, shame on you.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow, that sounds like a good enough note as any to end it on. But yeah. please go check out it's Voices, numeral four, everyone, and really go visit the website, see all the great materials that PRSA this group has put together. And let us know. Uh, we'd love to hear your stories of, of how you're helping your clients lead the way by you know, just making sure that we're recognizing the people for who they are and just being as inclusive as, and as fair to everyone as we can. But if you enjoyed this episode or any of our episodes, we would love it if you would share it. Subscribe, send it around to friends, even get on Twitter and retweet it. That would be fabulous. <laughs> and until next time, thanks for joining us on That Solo Life.